Story six of The Man Without a Country and Other Tales by Edward Everett Hale. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Story six The Dot and Line Alphabet. This sketch was originally published in the Atlantic Monthly for October eighteen fifty eight, just at the time that the first Atlantic cable, whose first prattle had been welcomed by the acclamations of a continent, gasped its last under the manipulations of de Sauti. It has since been copied by Mr. Prescott in his valuable handbook of the electric telegraph. The war, which has taught us all so much, has given a brilliant illustration of the dot and line alphabet, wholly apart from the electric use of it, which will undoubtedly be often repeated. In the movements of our troops under General Foster in North Carolina, Dr. J. B. Upham of Boston, the distinguished medical director in that department, equally distinguished for the success with which he has led forward the musical education of New England, trained a corps of buglers to converse with each other by long and short bugle notes, and thus to carry information with literal accuracy from point to point at any distance within which the tones of a bugle could be heard it will readily be seen that there are many occasions in military affairs when such means of conversation might prove of inestimable value mr tuttle the astronomer on duty in the same campaign made a similar arrangement with long and short flashes of light just in the triumph week of that great telegraph which takes its name from the atlantic monthly i read in the september number of that journal the revelations of an observer who was surprised to find that he had the power of reading as they run the revelations of the wire i had the hope that he was about to explain to the public the more general use of this instrument which with a stupid fatuity the public has as yet failed to grasp because its signals have been first applied by means of electromagnetism and afterwards by means of the chemical power of electricity the many-headed people refuses to avail itself as it might do very easily of the same signals for the simpler transmission of intelligence whatever the power employed the great invention of mr morse is his register and alphabet he himself eagerly disclaims any pretension to the original conception of the use of electricity as an errand-boy. Hundreds of people had thought of that and suggested it, but Morse was the first to give the errand-boy such a written message that he could not lose it on the way, nor mistake it when he arrived. The public, eager to thank Morse, as he deserves, thanks him for something he did not invent. For this he probably cares very little, nor do I care more. But the public does not thank him for what he did originate, this invaluable and simple alphabet. Now, as I use it myself in every detail of life, and see every hour how the public might use it if it chose, I am really sorry for this negligence, both on the score of his fame and of general convenience. Please to understand, then, ignorant reader, that this curious alphabet reduces all the complex machinery of Cadmus and the rest of the writing-masters to characters as simple as can be made by a dot, a space, and a line, variously combined. 
Thus the marks dot dash designate the letter A. The marks dash dot 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 designate the letter B. All the other letters are designated in as simple a manner. Now I am stripping myself of one of the private comforts of my life. But what will one not do for mankind? when I explain that this simple alphabet need not be confined to electric signals. Long and short make it all, and whatever long and short can be combined, be it in marks, sounds, sneezes, fainting fits, canes, or children, ideas can be conveyed by this arrangement of the long and short together. Only last night I was talking scandal with Mrs. Wilberforce at a summer party at the Hammersmith's. To my amazement, my wife, who scarcely can play the Fisher's hornpipe, interrupted us by asking Mrs. Wilberforce if she could give her the idea of an air in The Butcher of Turin. Mrs. Wilberforce had never heard that opera, indeed had never heard of it. My angel wife was surprised, stood thrumming at the piano, wondered she could not catch this very odd bit of discordant accord at all, but checked herself in her effort as soon as I observed that her long notes and short notes in their tum-ti-ti-ti-ti-ti-tum-tum meant, he's her brother. The conversation on her side turned from the butcher of Turin, and I had just time on the hint thus given me by Mrs. I to pass a grateful eulogium on the distinguished statesman whom Mrs. Wilberforce, with all a sister's care, had rocked in his baby-cradle, whom, but for my wife's long and short notes, I should have clumsily abused among the other statesmen of the day. You will see, in an instant, awakening reader, that it is not the business simply of operators in telegraphic dens to know this Morse alphabet but your business and that of every man and woman. If our school committees understood the times, it would be taught even before phonography or physiology at school. I believe both these sciences now precede the old English alphabet. As I write these words, the bell of the South Congregational strikes dong, 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 dong. Nobody has unlocked the church door. I know that, for I am locked up in the vestry. The old tin sign, in case of fire, the key will be found at the opposite house, has long since been taken down and made into the nose of a water-pot. Yet there is no goody-two-shoes locked in, no one except me, and certainly I am not ringing the bell. No but thanks to dr channing's fire alarm thirteen the bell is informing the south end that there is a fire in district dong 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 that is to say district number three before i have explained to you so far the eagle engine with a good deal of noise has passed the house on its way to that fated district an immense improvement this on the old system when the engines radiated from their houses in every possible direction, 
and the fire was extinguished by the few machines whose lines of quest happened to cross each other at the particular place where the child had been building cob-houses out of lucifer matches in a paper warehouse yes it is a very great improvement all those persons like you and me who have no property in district dong 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 can now sit at home at ease and little need we think upon the mud above the knees of those who have property in that district and are running to look after it but for them the improvement only brings misery you arrive wet hot or cold or both at the large district number three to find that the lucifer matches were half a mile away from your store and that your own private watchman even had not been waked by the working of the distant engines wet property holder as you walk home consider this when you are next in the common council vote an appropriation for applying morse's alphabet of long and short to the bells then they can be made to sound intelligibly dong ding 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 dong dong ding dong dong and so on will tell you as you wake in the night that it is mr b s store which is on fire and not yours or that it is yours and not his this is not only a convenience to you and a relief to your wife and family who will thus be spared your excursions to unavailable and unsatisfactory fires and your somewhat irritated return it will be a great relief to the fire department how placid the operations of a fire where none attend except on business the various engines arrive but no throng of distant citizens men and boys fearful of the destruction of their all they have all aroused on their pillows to learn that it is number five thirty pearl street which is in flames all but the owner of number five thirty pearl street have dropped back to sleep he alone has rapidly repaired to the scene that is he who stands on the uncrowded street with the chief engineer on the deck of number eighteen as she plays away his property destroyed the engines retire he mentions the amount of his insurance to those persons who represent the daily press they all retire to their homes and the whole is finished as simply almost as was his private entry in his day-book the afternoon before this is what might be if the magnetic alarm only struck long and short and we had all learned morse alphabet indeed there is nothing the bells could not tell if you would only give them time enough we have only one chime for musical purposes in the town but without attempting tunes only give the bells the morse alphabet and every bell in boston might chant in monotone the words of hail columbia at length every fourth of july indeed if mr barnard should report any day that a discouraged prentice boy had left town for his country home all the bells could instantly be set to work to speak articulately in language regarding which the dullest imagination need not be at a loss turn again higginbotham lord mayor of boston i have suggested the propriety of introducing this alphabet into the primary schools 
I need not say I have taught it to my own children, and I have been gratified to see how rapidly it made head against the more complex alphabet in the grammar schools. Of course it does. An alphabet of two characters matched against one of twenty-six, or of forty-odd, as the very odd one of the phonotypists employ. On the Franklin Medal Day I went to the Johnson School examination. One of the committee asked a nice girl what was the capital of Brazil. The child looked tired and pale, and for an instant hesitated. But before she had time to commit herself, all answering was rendered impossible by an awful turn of whooping cough which one of my own sons was seized with, who had gone to the examination with me. Hom him 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 hum um him hom him 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 hom him 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 barked the poor child, who was at the opposite extreme of the schoolroom. The spectators and the committee looked to see him fall dead with a broken blood vessel. I confess that I felt no alarm after I observed that some of his gasps were long and some very staccato, nor did pretty little Mabel Warren. She recovered her color, and as soon as silence was in the least restored, answered, Rio is the capital of Brazil as modestly and properly as if she had been taught it in her cradle. They are nothing but children, any of them, but that afternoon, after they had done all the singing the city needed for its annual entertainment of the singers, I saw Bob and Mabel start for a long expedition into West Roxbury, and when he came back I know it was a long feather few from her prize school bouquet that he pressed in his greens analysis with a short frond of maiden's hair. I hope nobody will write a letter to the Atlantic to say that these are very trifling uses. The communication of useful information is never trifling. It is as important to save a nice child from mortification on examination day as it is to tell Mr. Fremont that he is not elected president. If, however, the reader is distressed, because these illustrations do not seem to his more benighted observation to belong to the big bow-wow strain of human life, let him consider the arrangement which ought to have been made years since for lee-shores, railroad collisions, and that curious class of maritime accidents where one steamer runs into another under the impression that she is a lighthouse. Imagine the Morse alphabet applied to a steam whistle, which is often heard five miles. It needs only long and short again. Stop comet, for instance, when you send it down the railway line by the wire, is expressed thus, dot 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 dash dot 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 dash dash dot dash very good message if comet happens to be at the telegraph station when it comes but what if cornell has gone by much good will your trumpery message do then if however you have the wit to sound your long and short on an engine whistle thus scree 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 
Why, then, the whole neighborhood, for five miles round, will know that Comet must stop, if only they understand spoken language. And, among others, the engine-man of Comet will understand it, and Comet will not run into that wreck of worlds which gives the order, with the nucleus of hot iron and his tail of five hundred tons of coal. So, of the signals which fog-bells can give attached to lighthouses, how excellent to have them proclaim through the darkness, I am wall, or of signals for steamship engineers, when our friends were on board the Arabia the other day, and she and the Europa pitched into each other, as if, on that happy week, all the continents were to kiss and join hands all round, how great the relief to the passengers on each, if, through every night of their passage, collision had been prevented by this simple expedient. One boat would have screamed, Europa, 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 from night to morning, and the other, Arabia, 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 and neither would have been mistaken, as one unfortunately was, for a lighthouse. The long and short of it is that whoever can mark distinctions of time can use this alphabet of long and short, however he may mark them. It is therefore within the compass of all intelligent beings, except those who are no longer conscious of the passage of time, having exchanged its limitations for the wider sweep of eternity. The illimitable range of this alphabet, however, is not half disclosed when this has been said. Most articulate language addresses itself to one sense, or at most to two, sight and sound. I see, as I write, that the particular illustrations I have given are all of them confined to signals seen or signals heard. But the dot and line alphabet, in the few years of its history, has already shown that it is not restricted to these two senses, but makes itself intelligible to all. Its message, of course, is heard as well as read. Any good operator understands the sounds of its ticks upon the flowing strip of paper as well as when he sees it. As he lies in his cot at midnight, he will expound the passing message without striking a light to see it. But this is only what may be said of any written language. You can read this article to your wife, or she can read it, as she prefers. That is, she chooses whether it shall address her eye or her ear. But the long and short alphabet of Morse and his imitators despises such narrow range. It addresses whichever of the five senses the listener chooses. This fact is illustrated by a curious set of anecdotes, never yet put in print, I think, of that critical dispatch which, in one night, announced General Taylor's death to this whole land. Most of the readers of these lines probably read that dispatch in the morning paper. The compositors and editors had read it. To them it was a dispatch to the eye. But half the operators at the station heard it ticked out by the register stroke, and knew it before they wrote it down for the press. To them it was a dispatch to the ear. My good friend Langenzunga had not that resource. He had just been promised by the general himself, under whom he served at Palo Alto, the office of superintendent of the Rocky Mountain Lines. 
He was returning from Washington over the Baltimore and Ohio Railroad on a freight train when he heard of the President's danger. Langenzunge loved old Rough and Ready, and he felt badly about his own office, too. But his extempore train chose to stop at a forsaken shanty village on the Potomac for four mortal hours at midnight. What does he do but walk down the line into the darkness, climb a telegraph post, cut a wire, and applied the two ends to his tongue to taste, at the fatal moment, the words, died at half-past ten. Poor Langenzunge! He hardly had nerve to solder the wire again. Coggs told me that they had just fitted up the Naglaudovic stations with Bain's chemical revolving disc. This disc is charged with a salt of potash, which, when the electric spark passes through it, is changed to Prussian blue. Your dispatch is noiselessly written in dark blue dots and lines. Just as the disc started on that fatal dispatch, and Coggs bent over it to read, his spirit lamp blew up as the dear things will. They were beside themselves in the lonely dark office, but while the men were fumbling for matches, which would not go, Cog's sister, Nadia, a sweet blind girl who had learned Bain's alphabet from Dr. Howe in South Boston, bent over the chemical paper and smelt out the prussiate of potash, as it formed itself in lines and dots, to tell the sad story. Almost anybody used to reading the blind books can read the embossed Morse messages with the finger, and so this message was read at all the midnight way-stations, where no night-work is expected, and where the companies do not supply fluid or oil. Within my narrow circle of acquaintance, therefore, there were these simultaneous instances where the same message was seen, heard, smelled, tasted, and felt. So universal is the dot-and-line alphabet, for Bain's is on the same principle as Morse's. The reader sees, therefore, first, that the dot-and-line alphabet can be employed by any being who has command of any long and short symbols, be they long and short notches, such as Robinson Crusoe kept his accounts with, or long and short waves of electricity, such as these which Valencia is sending across to the Newfoundland Bay, so prophetically and appropriately named the Bay of Bulls. Also, I hope the reader sees that the alphabet can be understood by any intelligent being who has any one of the five senses left him, by all rational men, that is, excepting the few eyeless deaf persons who have lost both taste and smell in some complete paralysis. The use of Morse telegraph is by no means confined to the small clique who possess or who understand electrical batteries. It is not only the torpedo or the gymnotus electricus that can send us messages from the ocean. Whales in the sea can telegraph as well as senators on land, if they will only note the difference between long spoutings and short ones. And they can listen, too if they will only note the difference between long and short, the eel of ocean's bottom may feel on his slippery skin the smooth messages of our presidents, and the catfish in his darkness look fearless on the secrets of a queen. 
Any beast, bird, fish, or insect which can discriminate between long and short may use the telegraph alphabet, if he have sense enough. Any creature which can hear, smell, taste, feel, or see may take note of its signals, if he can understand them. A tired listener at church, by properly varying his long yawns and his short ones, may express his opinion of the sermon to the opposite gallery before the sermon is done. A dumb tobacconist may trade with his customers in an alphabet of short sixes and long nines. A beleaguered Sebastopol may explain its wants to the relieving army beyond the line of the Chinara by the lispings of its short paxanes and its long twenty-fours. End of Story 6